Ah, where, 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 dear brothers? Hello there, listener. Welcome back, welcome back to the Forest Brothers Podcast. It's been a minute. It's been a while. Well, not too long. It's been a couple of weeks. Uh, we hope you missed us. We certainly missed you. And uh, yeah, it's, it's good to be ringing in your ears once again, because uh, we're out here. We're back. <laughs> back with the bang, like like they always say. Um, joined again by my two brothers, Nkosi and Samson. Uh, good to see you two brothers once again. Uh, let me just let, let me give you an opportunity to say hello to the wonderful listeners out there because I can tell you this: they have missed you. They really have. I know. I know they've been waiting to hear uh, Samson's ASMR voice. I'm sure some people in our in our in our listener audience have not been going to bed because of it. Uh, so, anyway, boys, let me give you all a chance to uh, say hello to the wonderful listeners out there. Uh, starting with you, Mangoro, and then to uh, Mr. Man Samson here. So, uh, over to you, Mangoro. Uh, thank you for the platform, Mr. Mwari. Then I'd like to say hello to you. Hello to you, Masanga. Hello to you too, Mr. Mwari. Uh, that's a very interesting introduction there. And hello to our lovely listeners out there. Um, as Mr. Mwari has said, we're back now. Uh, we've ta- we're, we're taking a break, but the First Brothers podcast never rests. Uh, it's back. Uh, football is not stopping, so we're not stopping as well. And listener, uh, it's all about the three E's. Educate, enlighten, and entertain. And we'll we'll back with the bang, and we'll be doing more of that uh, from today's episode and going forward. Over to you, Mr. Masanga. Hello, dear listener. Welcome back to the Forest Brothers podcast. Glad to be here today with my two brothers, Mwari, Mangoro. How are you guys? Great to be here. Great to see you both. Yeah, like the two brothers have just said, it has been a minute. But you know what? Every now and then it is good to step away, you know? Plus... I feel like the the brothers deserved, you know, deserved to take some time away and enjoy Black History Month. Enjoy this time and reflect on the past, the present, where who we are, where we're going. And uh, now we're back. It's the Forest Brothers. And uh, let's get into it, boys. Let's get into it as well, indeed. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Samson's saying actually, uh, Black History Month. We are. It's it's always good. It's always good to celebrate the month and everything. Uh, but anyway, guys, let's jump in right here today. Listen up. We're gonna be talking about the rise and the fall of the Premier League. We've got the risers and we've got the fallers. <laughs> and uh, talking about the rise first, let's talk about Man United. For a second, because we've seen the meteor, meteor, you know what? Let me know. Let me know. Let me just say rise. We've seen the rise because I, I couldn't get the word out. Forgive me, listener. It, it, it's it, the English is not Englishing today. We saw the the rise. I tried again. It just didn't want to work. <laughs> let me give up. <laughs> um, Man United have been doing really well in the last few weeks. We've seen it. Like Rashford is scoring almost pretty much every game he plays in. Some people have been saying that he is in line to win a Ballon d'Or. Like they're saying he should win a Ballon d'Or today, right now, right here. Um, Because I don't remember the last time any Man United striker has scored in like, what, eight consecutive games at this point? Nine? It's almost inevitable for Rashford to score a goal at this point. So we're really seeing that. And uh, congrats to them. They won the Carabao Cup this past weekend. They beat uh, Newcastle, was it 2-0? And uh, yeah, it's their first cup since 2017. So, you know, they, they, they had to clean out, they finally got to clean out those cobwebs in that cupboard that um, 
hadn't been opened in a while. And uh, I know it's it's a little funny coming from a Tottenham supporter, but what can you do? So let me let me throw it out to you boys here. Like, what's what's going right for my United at this point? As as we see their rise and as we, as we see the effect that Eric Ten Hag has made on the team, what what's the what's the cause? Is it because Ronaldo left? Is it because Ten Hag somehow is now cooking different? Is it like what what is it? Are they drinking enough water now? Are they like good facilities at Old Trafford that have been helping them excel. Talk to me, boys. Let me, yeah, uh, let me start with Mangoro here. Mangoro, what, what what are your thoughts on the rise of Man United? And uh, I guess as all Man United fans are thinking about, are they in the title race at this point? Or should they stop dreaming? Over to you, Mangoro. Um, so I'd say it's a couple of things when uh, Mr. Mutsu are there. So just to put it uh, blatantly, the meteoric rise of Manchester United recently has been down to a couple of factors. And I think you, you touched on quite an important one there. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, certainly him leaving, uh, I think was the catalyst for most of the stuff because before it was just a group of individuals playing towards uh, one player. But now you've, they've given a, the freedom to the collective, uh, the entire whole, to actually excel. Like, you've seen Bruno now. You can see what Rashford is doing. Even Jaden Sancho is doing something. Anthony, I don't trust him that much, but he's at least doing something. So I think those are, like, the most important things that they're doing uh, to actually get to where they are today. And I'll, t- I'll take the listener back to a-, a couple, I think, last year. I mentioned this. When... When, when we talk about building a club, we're talking about building a club from the ground up where you create a lot of synergy between the first team and the academy. You've seen players coming from the academy, Garnacho this year for Manchester United, uh, into the first team. He's now a well-known player. I'm pretty, I've heard there's a couple of other players they have there that are just waiting for the opportunity that will be coming in the next couple of months. And that's the piece of... I think that's like an important piece on like just connecting the team and just making it feel like a, a welcoming environment. That's the first piece. Uh, just going that's more off, off the field and having good consistency with the hierarchy, I think that helps. Secondly, on the field, uh, I, I'll always go back to these three things that I always mention. The, the playing philosophy that Manchester United have adopted with Eric Ten Hag. You can now start to see where he's going with what he's doing. That playing philosophy plays a huge role. Uh, the culture I just spoke about between the people that work there, the facilities are still the same, but people have overlooked the facilities. Now it's all about uh, the culture that is everyone happy. Uh, is the team doing well? Now they've even won a trophy. So spirits are very high. We saw Ten Hag... Uh, I think it was Anthony and Lissandro Martinez dancing there after the World Cup. Stuff that two, three months ago you wouldn't have imagined. Even Harry Maguire, he's sitting on the bench, but he's not sulking. He's cheering on the team. So that goes to show that once you build a welcoming environment and a good culture within your club, like the proper structure that I always mention, you will be successful. But we also need to keep in mind, you asked quite an important question there. Are they in the title race? For me personally, not this year. 
I don't see them in the title race this year. Maybe next year or the year after, once he's fully implemented what he wants to do. Because uh, I do trust in Ten Hag. He's pretty much a good coach. Uh, it's just about there's a few pieces missing here and there that will take him to the next level. But this year, I don't think the team is ready towards the latter part of the season where maybe Arsenal or Man City turn it up a notch. I don't know if he'll be able to cope because I'm not entirely sure. Rashford, I understand Rashford is scoring a lot of goals now, but can he keep up those same numbers uh, towards the, till the end of the season? We've seen Erling Haaland go through uh, a drought, but when he draw, like, drought to him is like two, three games. But when he came to the Premier League, in his first uh, couple of first, I think first six months, and scored over twenty goals, and people were like, "This man is a machine." But over time, we started to see the little cracks here and there. But I think that's where Manchester United are. Manchester United fans, congratulations, you've won a trophy. I think now the next piece is taper down your expectations for the season. Maybe you can win the the FA Cup or the Europa League, and then maybe next year you can start talking about the Champions League. Uh, Mr. Masanga. Actually, Samson, I, I think just to add on to that, I have a quick, I have, a, I have a, just a, an add-on that I want to ask you specifically. Looking at the way Rashford is playing, do you think, like, what what influence do you think is maybe coming from the fact that they have Wout Weghorst? And also, it, is that where is that why Rashford is so good right now? Like, what do you think Wout Weghorst, how do you think he's been doing at Man United? Is it, um, and how influential has he been? like, to Rashford's rise? Or is it all because of our boy, Mr. Benny McCarthy, adding the sauce into Rashford? And that's why Rashford right now is as clinical as he's ever been. Um, yeah, so what's your take on Wout Weghorst and his influence on potentially Rashford right now scoring all these goals that he's scoring? I mean, you're asking me, do I think, uh, as Mongo would say, a Dutch CB is the reason for Rashford's rise or is it Benny McCarthy, South African legend? Of course, I'm going to say it's Benny McCarthy. You know, that's our forest brother. And uh, if I do get the chance to overestimate his, his influence, I'll take it. But in all seriousness, I would say that Vegos has been a good signing. And, you know, I think... I I know I remember I criticized um, Ten Hag for the way Cristiano Ronaldo left the club and him not using him in games where it seemed like um, he could benefit from a striker up there. But then I think he got rid of him because he doesn't fit his Ten Hag's idea of a striker, which is understandable. And looking back, you know, I can I realized that it was and I I see, you know, Amtenag is, you know, a system manager. He has a particular system in mind, sort of like like Pep or like, you know, Klopp, Nagelsmann, you know, all these guys who have like well-known, well-defined styles. And he wants to play that way and he expects every single player in every role to adhere to that role. And Vegos, you know, is not a better player than Cristiano Ronaldo, even at age, 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 age you know, 39 or whatever it is. But he fits the system way better because he actually presses the ball. You know, he presses defenders. You know, he's he is slow. Like, Vegost is not a fast man, like, by any stretch of the imagination. But he works very hard and he closes people down and he holds up play and he plays through balls for his strikers. And he will get into midfield and throw a tackle. Ronaldo did not do any of those things. 
at all, like zero, you know? So, you know, that, that makes a huge difference in your attacking play. If one guy is going to perform like that and help bring people like Rashford into play, Anthony into play, Bruno Fernandes into play. So now you're more dynamic on the attack. Your attacks actually don't break down, so you're less vulnerable to counterattacks. And the counterattacks that teams generate, you know, usually find you in, in good defensive, you know, positions. The issue with Ronaldo is that he'd 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 make a wayward pass at the halfway line, and all of a sudden it's, you know, like a, like a four a four and two or a four and three, and Martinez is looking silly, or famously last season Maguire is on his is on his ass or you know shores on an island just getting torn apart that's not happening anymore because the attack is much more fluid it's resulting in shots and goals it's not breaking down and then on the other hand when you win games you build confidence and with more confidence you can try more riskier things and with riskier things when they work are devastating for the opposition. Like think of peak Liverpool, the passes they would they would make, the high press, the opportunities they generate. It's all very risky, but when it works, you can blow a team away like three nil in the, in the first half. That massively impacts whether you're going to win games or not. So, I think that's what we're seeing. Just uh, a number of all these small little things clicking into place, um, and confidence. You know. Just confidence is the biggest thing at Manchester. Like people are actually enjoying playing football. It's been a while since I've seen Maguire smile um, anywhere at Old Trafford. Like he he usually does not smile there at all. Like I'm I'm being very serious. <laughs> you know, people think I'm like today is probably the first time in a long time I've seen him smile at Old Trafford. He cheered a goal. He was waving at the fans. People cheered his name. This hasn't happened in a long time. So, yeah, it's it's, a, it's been a breath of fresh air there, and they're riding the wave. And, uh, yeah, that's why they're doing very well right now. Yeah, you know what? We can't talk about um, Manchester United's success without mentioning their star signing this season, Casemiro. I think that's the man right there. You know, even though he likes to choke a couple of times, he, he, he is their best. He Literally, if it was not for Casemiro, I don't think my United would be where they are right now. And I think that was a stroke of genius, buying that man. Because that man knows how to win a trophy. And he looks as hungry as ever. Like, he didn't just come here for vibes. It's not like he signed for PSG and he's just coasting. This man is putting in work. And I think that that has definitely influenced the rest of the, the, the squad in terms of like, yo, we actually have a guy here who has won so much and yet he's probably like the first person to arrive at Old Trafford and like he puts in all the work and he's so passionate and like so and he's also like influencing Fred I think even Fred is slightly improved now you know just his presence I believe like has made a major difference so shout out to Casemiro I know my United fans love him uh I'm I'm curious to see how how like who's gonna buy the club because I know the Glazers are selling and I wonder if that's also a positive as to why they're playing so well because they know that the Glazers are going to be out soon. Uh, it's funny because no Man United fan has been saying anything about the Glazers in the, like this whole year. I've not seen, I've not heard a single peep of like Glazers out. Nothing. <laughs> so it's all very funny in my opinion. But I wonder. I don't know if that's because they're selling 
or or because they're playing well or you know they just don't have anything to blame at this point but um i'm curious to see who's gonna buy manchester united and how that influences their years forward uh samson you know just a quick note about kazimura is that funny thing was he was a panic buy that they did not plan for but they made because people are protesting them so hard they threatened not to go to the liverpool home game not sure if you guys remember this but there was this huge protest people were saying hey don't go to the liverpool home game want an empty stadium you know want them to fill in their pockets so they do something then they panicked by it and bought casemiro and everyone kept quiet for like two weeks then they started winning then they really kept quiet um and since you brought him up you know i'll just say He's allowed Fred to play high up the pitch and not be a defensive mid- mid- midfielder, which he's horrible at. McTominay, the same thing. Um, and uh, you see, uh, and we haven't even spoken about Shaw and, uh, you know, Aaron Wan-Bissaka's Aaron, Aaron um, rejuvenation. So, yeah, there's been a lot of things that Ten Hag and Man United have been able to do uh, that all these small little things have just added up to. Um, their form, which uh, I'm sure the fans are loving right now. Yeah, I just I just hope Liverpool are taking notes because clearly one good signing makes a big difference. So I'm pretty sure if Liverpool right now were to sign a decent midfielder, they'll probably be like top five. They can make it, but they farmed, didn't make the right signings in January, and they are suffering the consequences. You know, Henderson is doing defensive work for other teams now, which, you know, is funny. But anyway, uh, talking about the other riser, Arsenal, they have been very surprising. You know, today they just won their game against Everton, demolished them 4-0. Uh, the star boy Saka has been really proving his worth. As uh, And I'm pretty sure he's going to sign that multi-million dollar contract soon or extension. I know Martinelli has already extended his um, pay, his, his, his contract. So we know that he's going to be there for a while. I heard Gabby Jesus is back in the first team uh, training. He's going to be healthy. So... Everything is going well for Arsenal right now. Partey, I think, is out of the injury thing. But, you know, even with all these injuries, they've really kept it up, right? And right now, they're five points ahead of City. I think there were like 13 games, 14 games left. So at this point in time, it's really Arsenal's to lose. I think we're getting to that stage where if Arsenal mess this up, it's because of them and them alone. And maybe because of the refs doing something to them. But at this point... If they win every game they can, they should win the title. I mean, you're five points ahead. I don't see why you shouldn't make it. So let me actually bring this up, maybe you, Samson, and maybe give us a little uh, synopsis as to this rise of Arsenal and like this consistency being kept up. I know we've touched upon this in previous pods, so uh, maybe we don't have to go into too much detail, but what's, 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 hap- what's going right right now at Arsenal? And do you think they can keep it up? Do you think this is something y'all can keep up until the end of the season? Because, you know, the games are, the games are, yeah, you don't have too many left. So this is a good position for y'all. Are you excited, Samson? Or, you know, how, how are you looking at the team right now? And like, just how well they've been performing at this level? Well, um, you, like, before the pod, we were even debating if it's really a rise uh, because Arsenal have been top of the league for most of the season. We actually just took a three-day break after that loss. I mean, it's like, I think it's exactly two weeks ago today. We took a three-day break 
and then we were back on top the following Saturday. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I feel like it's been the same old Arsenal. Um, and yes, we've had a few, like, I think the major dip was against Man City, but the Brentford game, Newcastle game, I feel like we were fine in those games. Uh, what's the other game we dropped points in? Oh yeah, the only game I think we really struggled in was Everton. I think we struggled to create opportunities in that game and we were punished from the set piece um, just simply because we haven't we hadn't seen uh, Sean Dyche set piece this season. Um, and I, f- I feel like the team was just not prepared for that. But other than that game, it's been same old Arsenal. Just like you said, injuries. We were talking about Gabi Jesus, how it's going to impact, you know, being injured. You saw that impact against Newcastle. You saw it against Brentford um, because those are the kinds of teams he's really thrived against because of his dribbling ability, his ball-carrying ability, his passing ability, um, and his pressing as well. But, you know, we were still playing decently well. Like, we were, like, fine, and we could have gone away with it. Um, you know, I, I don't want to blame the refs too much, but yes, some refereeing decisions in those games went against us. And if they went our way, would have probably won those games. But yeah, it's been same old Arsenal. And it's just a few injuries here, a few injuries there um, that have rocked the boat. But yeah, guys are, guys are still doing it. Guys are still performing. And now with Trossard and Jorginho, I feel like them having bedded in, we might be a little bit better because we have more depth because now if there's no Partey, we still have Jorginho. If Martinelli is a bit off form, if he's not really feeling it that day, we have Trossard. And we saw Trossard's impact at, at first, actually, against Manchester United because if you guys recall, Martinelli wasn't having the best game against uh, Bissaka that day. Bissaka did a great job, but Trossard actually created, helped create that last goal for Nketia. So, yeah, I feel like it's been same old Arsenal. Had one rough patch, but by by and large, we've just been the same, and we've just been trying to figure it out without Jesus. And I think finally we have, and it's just in time because he's coming back already. Anyways, like in the next week or so, we should be back. So it's looking good. It's looking good, uh, Mangor. Yeah. So I'm gonna point out something that not a lot of football fans see, but people that try to understand the game uh see and it kind of positions arsenal where they are today and i would say the most important thing that has put arsenal where they are today is consistency when i talk about consistency i'm talking about consistency in lineup if you look at arsenal's back five from the goalkeeper to the back four that hasn't been changed quite a bit they're not tinkering there every five minutes. It's been the same individuals. They've built the understanding. Uh, they know each other inside out. They know how to defend as a unit, uh, move as a unit, and just communicate as a unit. And that is the bedrock of success, the consistency. Because now you know the players, the player on your outside or the player next to you's uh, strengths and weaknesses. And they also know yours rather than just changing it every week and you don't know what's exactly happening. Because if you look at Zinchenko, Tini probably was like earmarked to be like a starter for that 
in that back four. Ben White, uh, Tomiyasu played well last season, but Ben White has stepped into right back. He's not right back per se, but he stepped in. Uh, Ramsdale in goal. Saliba and Gabriel. I've heard some people call him other names in the past, but uh, maybe maybe Saliba knows his weaknesses as, and he's covering for him. So those kinds of things for me are like, I'd say, are the critical factors that have actually put Arsenal where they are today. And what what's good about what they're doing with their front line, even with bringing on Trossard, like bringing Trossard in, is that now they can variate their front line. They can have players playing in the pockets, in behind the midfield and in front of the defense. And when you variate the play, you always keep the opposition guessing. You keep the opposition coaches guessing. So that kind of tells you that there actually is a direction here. There is like some sort of cohesive structure that each player knows their duty and they're going to go far if they continue in this way. Yeah, I was actually going to say about that back line because I've met Arsenal, to be honest, have not been keeping that many clean sheets, right? Like, I mean, they win games because I think they keep possession for the most part and they have Saka and Odegaard. Like, I think Arsenal's midfield and attack are great. That back line, though, I, I don't know if it's the 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 the, the, the hill I will die on because in Samson, I mean, I, unless I'm talking nonsense, but you guys do concede pretty much almost every game y'all play in for the most part, right? Um, so it, doesn't that is that isn't that cause for concern at some point because it's like if you're considering, and you know, this could be a season, for example, that is one on goal difference, right? So. Is that that's is that? Do you think that is actually your guys' biggest problem right now? Just keeping clean sheets because everything else is fine except that department. Unless if you think what I'm saying is nonsense, uh, what do you think about that, Samson? I think what you're saying is mostly nonsense. I think you know you know you've noticed the clean sheets because of your because of your FPL more than anything. Because if you look at our actual clean sheet numbers, they're not bad. Um, I don't know off but off the top of my head how many we have, but I'd 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 guess that Ramsdale's like in the top five because we've had clean sheets, like it's not really been that much of an issue. But yes, we have conceded goals that we shouldn't have conceded. And I think the interesting thing about Arsenal is that you know, it's it's actually it's the goals we've conceded is probably the biggest compliment you could give to a, a defense uh interestingly enough and it's that most of the goals we've conceded is not because people have broken us down and created good opportunities and scored it's more that individuals have made mistakes like if i think of some of the big ones um spurs first game i think you guys had a pen right gabriel mistake um you know fallen king manchester united away uh, Zinchenko gives away the ball in the, in the opposition half, counter-attack goal. Uh, Manchester United at home, Rashford's first goal, great. Second goal, can't remember what happened, but I know it's a, I know it's a mistake because I remember being mad at someone for it. Um, and then I remember I remember Fulham as well uh, at home, Gabriel mistake, um, and then he scores to make up for his mistake. But anyways, in short, most of the goals we've conceded, or a lot of a number of the goals we've conceded come from individual mistakes rather than teams breaking us down or our goalkeeper being horrible. 
if you compare us, our defense with Man City's defense, it's probably similar in terms of like the types of goals conceded and how they're conceded. But no one is going to talk about that because, you know, there's, you know, we've, we, we were in our banter era two years ago. People have seen people like, you know, Granishaka, Gabriel, make horrific mistakes. Tomiyasu, horrific mistakes. We've seen them. So their names are going to ring out a lot more to the casual viewer, you know, when a mistake goes down. And, you know, the idea is that, oh, yeah. And also there's just been an idea about Arsenal being weak defensively for years. So there's just like that general feeling. But if you look at the numbers and you look at the way people play, Arsenal's defense is fine for the most part. Can it get better? Yes, but it's not. I don't think it's an alarming situation. Let me say that. I think what's like, I'd be more alarmed if I was Pep with Edison in my goal than I would as Mikel Arteta about my back four type of thing. Because I think if you compare both of those situations, like Man City have more to worry about about their defense than we do. Like, I feel like our problems can easily be solved and theirs are like just. Yeah, but yeah, I mean that's 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 what I think though. Okay, okay. Well, let's see how that ends up shaking up. But um, on to the fallers of the cap the last this year actually. Let's let's start with Chelsea because Mongoro, as a Chelsea fan, I'm pretty sure you've even you've even stopped watching games. Like you are struggling against Fada. Like I I I heard a statistic this past weekend. That Chelsea has the least attacking potency in all four divisions in England right now. That's in Premier League, Championship, the level below Championship, before that, below that one, and below that one too. Like Chelsea right now are the least potent side in all four divisions <laughs> in England. And that is not a healthy statistic. And to think that you have people like Havertz, people like Joao Felix, you know, Sterling. You know, you, you guys have world-class players in your squad. And yet, the, 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 the net is not bulging. The game's not winning. Y'all, uh, y'all, yeah, we, we, we talked about how Ted Bowley spent the most amount of money uh, in, the, in the January transfer window right now, right? And yeah, there's been, there's nothing to show for it. All that money. And, and it's just like, was Chelsea laundering money or something? Like, you know, <laughs> it, 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 I don't know what's, I don't know what's happening. But anyway, uh, I want to hear from you, Mangoro, because I know that you've spoken about your boy Graham Potter for many, many months. Uh, you're one of the very first people to say that this was not the right man for the job. And he's proven you right. So, Mangoro, what's, what's, T- talk to me about Chelsea's fall from grace and what the what the remedies need to be because what well, you guys scored one goal in February or something. <laughs> Given, I mean, I mean, come on, man! Like, I feel like if anyone spent the amount of money and have produced this amount of results, like, I- I'm really surprised he's not been fired yet. So, I don't know what he has on Todd Bowley. On Ted Bowley, or like, I was even surprised at the fact that, you know, if I was a Chelsea supporter, I'd actually have been mad about this. But like, the man walked in a press conference smiling and giggling, and they're like, bro, why are you late? And it's like, I said it was a crisis meeting, but I'm still here. So, <laughs> you know, I, I would have been mad about that. Like, bro, 
why are you joking around about this? Like, y'all are in crisis and you're smiling like, yeah, bro, I'm still here, so it doesn't matter. Like, come on, man. So anyway, Mongoro, um, I want to hear your opinion about Chelsea and what needs to happen right now and Graham Potter's future in your eyes. You know, Mota, for me and listeners can not even correct me, but they can go to that episode when uh, I think Top Bowley did the salt interview and uh, it's there in that segment when they fired Tuchel and there was the hush-hush talk of uh, Graham Potter coming into the job and I was literally the first person that said Graham Potter is not the answer. And today, uh, today is my day and I will uh, enjoy my day because I, the thing is, uh, I don't know if football supporters or football lovers, what are they watching? Do they watch the game or they just look at results? And just go from there, or they love it so they love the team so much that they can't see when things are wrong. You know, sometimes in life we need to uh, just accept the truth, uh, the hard truth as it, it's portrayed immediately, because the truth will set you free. And I, I was, I was very happy. That Mr. Graham Potter, when he joined the club, was going to do what he's doing today. And I told all supporters in the world that this man is not the answer. And I will take it back, Mr. Mutza, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. When he won his first five games, you said he's a good coach. And I literally told you he's not good. And he's going to show you who he truly is. And now... He is showing you who he truly is. Because this man, as we're now seeing, two wins in 15. Uh, I read an interesting stat the other day that Tuchel was fired in September, but 35% of Chelsea's Premier League points this season were from Tuchel's first three months in the season, first two or three months in the season. So that's a damning stat. Uh, you, I heard people on Twitter joking around saying that Joao Felix is going to win goal of the month because February because we scored one goal. And th- there's just multiple things. Finally, it's been, I, I, I will give him the credit on uh, some other things like he's just been very unfortunate. The West Ham incident, the number of chances missed against Borussia Dortmund. Uh, those kinds of things are... I'd say uh, maybe some little hope that he has that he can save his job. But for me personally, it's like this is this just goes back to a job. You're if you're working and you're not performing for three months against your what they call your key your your, your key performance indicators, your KPIs. And to, uh Graham Potter is not performing against those things. And you can see it on the field. Two wins in 15. And you spent over half a billion pounds just a season. Not over a course of three years. Just a season you've given him the players. And you can see the different things that he's doing. Changing the team week in and week out. How are you going to build consistency? I think he's just too much of a nice guy. He's trying to please the players. But 
there's something interesting that I don't think a lot of people actually know is that there's a piece around some of the players that people scream at and ask why they're playing weekend and week out. I will touch on them. Kai Havertz, Hakim Ziyech, Koulibaly, and sometimes Kukurea. It is part of the hierarchy. It's beyond Graham Potter. There are times when I don't blame him because some players in their contracts, it's a must-play contract. When they join the club, they're joining on the premise that they will be playing week in and week out. That's part of it. That's one piece. The other piece is that the value of the player, like if Chelsea are trying to sell Ziyech and he's running on the bench, they're not going to pick up money for him. Same thing goes for Havertz. If they're running on the bench and they're not playing, they're going to make a huge loss. But if they can play them now, pick up some form, get to the end of the season, then they sell them, it, makes like, it looks like it makes sense. That's how I'm seeing it. But for me personally, as I told Chelsea fans, the season ended the moment he signed that five-year contract. That was the end of our season. I don't know like where we go from here. My personal viewpoint is that uh, the, since the season is done, there's no need to change him now. I would say just give him the end of the season. Like He's not going to do anything. What's he going to do in the Champions League? So I just relieve him of his duties at the end of the season. Uh, pay him whatever needs to be paid out, that 48 million or 60 million, and he walks away and we go look for a coach that is able, or a manager that is able to handle top-class managers. For me personally, Hansi Flick would be the answer. I don't know how they'd get him out of that Germany national team. Uh, that's a man that can handle the egos that exist at Chelsea now. And when he walks in, the first thing he needs to do is be honest with a lot of players and just get rid of them. Havertz, three years. We're still waiting. Ziyech, same thing. Uh, the ones that were signed last summer, Sterling, Kukurea, Kulibali, uh, those three, I would say, next year's their last year. I'm giving them one more year. Uh, then if they don't come to the party, we get rid of them. Uh, Fofana, superstar in the making. That one was a shrewd signing. Shrewd signing by Mr. Todd Bowley. But... For me personally, that's what I do. But knowing Todd and how he works, that's just how he is. I don't know if... Because the other thing supporters need to keep in mind is that if you were doing well at your job, there is no way in hell there's going to be a crisis meeting every week. Like literally, you lost to Southampton. Southampton didn't even have a coach. You had a squad of players a squad of superstar players, and you lost to Southampton. Like, that man is... You lost to an assistant coach. You were a head coach. You lost to an assistant coach. Like, I don't know. Graham Potter, sometimes he needs to look in the mirror and ask himself, does he respect this club? Does he respect himself? I think maybe also the other thing that I also do think about from time to time is that he should just maybe just do us the honor of resigning. That's like that's the that's the honorable thing to do. But knowing the payout, I don't think you'd do that. But for me personally, I would resign because all this hate is getting online now. People are threatening his family, which as the first brothers we do not condone. Uh those are the kinds of things that I think w w would save us. Because this man is just not good enough. And he's great. I think if y'all think you've seen you've seen it all like on the poor results, 
there's still more to come. So just watch the space and let's see how it goes. I have, I have one question though. Some of this, wouldn't you say, is self-inflicted? Because Hakim Ziyech wanted to bounce. He actually wanted to leave. Man was begging Ted, Todd Bowley to like, my guy, please release me. I want to go to PSG. The papers are here. He's sending multiple texts. Blue tick, blue tick, blue tick. Messing the papers up. Ziyech wanted to bounce. <laughs> He's not like, oh, I'm trying to fight and stay at Chelsea. Man was on his knees. Begging Mr. Bowley, like, bro, please just, can you make this happen? And they kept farming him. So is it fair to really pick on Hakim Ziyech at this point? Because he knows he doesn't belong at Chelsea. He knows it's not working for him. And he wants to bounce. But yet, here he is, doing what you guys hate him for. But it's not his fault, right? (laughs) Wouldn't you say, wouldn't you say, wouldn't you agree with that, Mangoro? Because he did want to leave, but. You know, due to incompetence, as I can say, he, he didn't go. He's still there at Chelsea. I'd say it goes both ways. Uh, I'd blame both of them. I'd blame Ziek and I'd blame whoever was signing the paperwork, if it's Todd or here or whoever, or the office lady that was working on the faxes. I'd blame all of them. And do you know why I blame all of them? Why are you going to wait till transfer deadline day to actually make a loan move? We're not selling him. We're not negotiating fees here that it's going to go down to transfer deadline day and the last hour. You've known the whole month that Graham Potter doesn't feel you, my guy. You should have just immediately left from the jump. Like, don't waste anyone's time. Like, that guy, instead of him busy on the 31st of January trying to leave, should have been pushing on the 31st of December to to try and get out of the club. Like, don't waste time. You already knew that he's not part of the... He's not part of the future, so he shouldn't have done that. And I blame I blame him on that. I also do blame Todd for blue ticking him because you know you've spoken to this man, you've come to the agreement that we're gonna let you leave. And then since he was busy there trying to sign Enzo, he was blue ticking him. <laughs> you know, maybe we should name this episode the blue tick. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean it's 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 unfortunate, but now he has to write out the season, right? And yeah, I don't know. I mean, we saw like some weird things with CH this past weekend, you know, with that with that red card. You know, he's he's pushing someone on the shoulder, ends up looking like a slap. He he survived. He got lucky there because if it was any other day, man was gonna catch a straight red. So yeah, I don't know. I think right now ZH probably needs to just take a step back, cool down, and um, accept things for what they are. You know, uh, Samson. Yeah, just before we move on, I just thought it best to go over a few stats. I know you guys already mentioned the one goal in February, but, you know, it's grimmer than that. You know, Real scored more goals in one day in England, five, than Chelsea have scored in the whole of 2023, four. Um, Their last away win came on the 25th of October, away against Amdina Muzigrib in the Champions League. And on top of this... uh, Graham Potter recently compared his struggles to Klopp and Arteta. Uh, And he also blamed Tuchel for having a poor preseason and not getting the players up to speed in that time as part of the reason he's struggling. And I want to lay all this out just to say that I supported this man in the beginning. A month in, I was like, you know what? Yeah, he should still be in there. Three months, I mean, around December, 
I was supporting him, but more like for vibes, you know, just to have a go at Bongoro. But now I will tell you, dear listener and Chelsea fans, that this man should go because, you know, these like last away win coming in October, when March, come on, like that, that is atrocious, man. That is relegation form. Like, honestly, it, it is relegation form. And the bare minimum of any football team is that, you know, you just have a plan every week. You just have a plan and you try to win. And you, if you have the better players, you should look better than the other team. You cannot look like a League 2 team when you've spent half a billion and you're playing Southampton. That is unacceptable. Guys cannot press as a team. Guys are pressing individually. Guys cannot string three passes together. Guys cannot even switch play right. Like, I mean, come on, guys. Come, come on, man. Like, this is embarrassing. This is, this is horrible. And I think the question the board should be asking themselves is that, hey, you are 10 points above safety. Don't even think about Champions League. You're like 24 points. I mean, like 14 points away from that. There's no chance. You're 10 points away from safety. Do you think this man in 13 games or whatever, I think it's like 13 or 14 games left. Do you think in 14 games he will avoid relegation? Do you think that? Because I'm here to tell you folks that 31 points at this stage is not a lot. It is, it is not. Teams below you are targeting 40. Okay? That's what they are targeting. Like the, the teams at, at, at 18th, and where, they're targeting 40 points. Nine more than you have. You haven't been able to get nine points since I don't know what, I don't know how many points you've accumulated to this point, but it's not nine. The whole of this year, you have not accumulated nine points. Between now and the rest of the season, do you think Potter can achieve that? If the answer is no, he should go today because I don't understand how you tolerate this man any longer. Like, this is like, this is, yo, relegation, <laughs> relegation is real, man. And it, like it's a like we were joking about this Muta, I remember you saying, "Hey, Chelsea or Liverpool, who's going to finish in the bottom half?" Now it's looking like a reality for Chelsea based on form alone. It looks like it's going to happen, and the question is just how much more do you tolerate? That that is the question the the board have to ask themselves. So actually, my question to Mangoro right now is, how much time do you think Potter has, realistically speaking, in your humble opinion? How much longer does Potter have at Chelsea? Because I think he's on the brink, but I want the listeners to hear from you, Mangoro. How much time do you realistically think he has left? Uh, from what I've been hearing, uh, according to some reliable sources, the likes of Matt Law, uh, very close to Todd Bowley and the Chelsea hierarchy. From This is from Sunday. So last week, Sunday, after the loss to Spurs, used to be our three-point lane, but it's no more three-point lane with Graham Potter. But I'd say, from what I've heard, ten day- on Sunday it was 10 days. So next week, Wednesday, that was the threshold because we play Borussia Dortmund next week, Wednesday. And he's got Leeds on the weekend. So it was the next three games that could- that will make or break. You already failed the first test. So he's already lost 33% of the marks on the test. So right now he's playing, he's, got, he's fighting for the last 66%. And 
and I don't know if he'll get even 33% or he'll get 0% or even 66. I, I, he won't get 66. I know Graham, he's a draw specialist. But that's just how it's going to be. And I think, as Anson mentioned, the uh, relegation form, you, that is very true. Very, very true. We are we're in a relegation battle. We're literally in the top half on goal difference to Aston Villa, the team that was once coached by Steven Gerrard. So for me personally, and all the teams, uh, all the supporters out there, we're at a point where we're playing, uh, back in IP, we used to say this, that when you strive for something, uh, we're striving for Team 40 and 40 points, and Chelsea is doing the same thing now. And that's what we're stri- we should be striving for. Just get to 40 points and be safe. Uh, I wouldn't put it past this finishing the bottom half. So Graham Potter just needs nine, nine more points and we'll be, we'll be fine. Because there's not, he's not gonna. There's nothing he's going to do. There, there, there's no miracle here. Okay, well, you heard it here first, folks. Mangoro has laid down the law, the authority. Graham Potter will not go. Will not last past next week Wednesday. Or yeah, next week Wednesday when they play uh, against Dortmund. If they lose against Dortmund, Potter's getting fired. I think that's basically what Mangoro is saying. So um, let's wait and see, folks. And if you're hearing this today, remember, the man dropped the reality. So just know that some prophecy has been dropped here. And uh, our man is not usually wrong. So let's, uh, Potter, if you're hearing this, I would say start packing a bag. Start getting ready. Get your last haircut before you never see that bubble again. You know, just start start getting ready, my guy, because things are coming to an end. Um, just, just to say, but... Uh, <laughs> uh, but you know what, boys? It's been good. It's been great. Uh, listener, I know you had missed us, but um, yeah, let's now, you know, we're probably going to, probably going to leave it here and then let's see how the games go this following weekend. And then uh, we'll be, we'll be back with you again. So uh, I think let's leave it here and, uh, and see where things go. So let me, let me hand it to my two brothers here to, uh, to uh, say, to say their goodbyes and any other final thoughts. Um, let me start with the boy, Samson, and then Mr. Mangoro, over to you, and then we will close it out. So over to you, Samson. Uh, thank you, uh, my brother. Uh, dear listener, um, thank you for listening to us. Thank you for being back, that you have been with the Forest Brothers podcast. And uh, I think it's been a great episode. Um, final thoughts, uh, Arsenal still being Arsenal. And uh, it's looking scarier every day for everyone else scarier and scarier every day i'm I'm sure even like people haven't really realized that we're probably going to be in the ucl next year i mean we're you know we're going to be in the ucl next year and i don't think people have fully understood what that's going to mean you know in the group stages knockout rounds you know having to face arsenal having to validate our players so I'm, i'm very excited for that and uh Rivals are struggling. Life is good, you know. We gave Pep first place for a few days. We took it back. Now Pep is giving away some points so United could catch up to him. You know, it's it's vibes. It's vibes of the Emirates. And uh, I'm happy about it. Going to keep it going. And uh, yeah, catch you all on the next one. Yes. Uh, so thank you, listeners, for tuning in and for returning to listen to the Forest Brothers podcast. Um, 
as my brother mentioned here earlier, we're just here to drop jewels week in and week out. Uh, if you take the time to come and listen to uh, the uncensored truth, this is your spot. Uh, we tell it how it is. We don't sugarcoat it here. So that's all I'll say to you, listener. Chelsea supporters, uh, just watch because you love the team. That's what I've been doing. Uh, don't have zero expectations. And it should, it should be more like uh, we're watching friendlies right now. That's how it should be. So Chelsea supporters, don't take it too hard. I've been listening to a lot of people online so upset. They, I don't know why they're upset. They shouldn't be upset. Uh, this is something that was going to happen from the jump. I knew it. And I told them. They didn't listen. But that's just it. That's just my viewpoint. But honestly, listener, don't take it too hard. At the end of the day, it's just soccer. None of this. Our lives don't depend on this. So... Don't take it too hard. It's just a game of soccer. People are not doing their jobs. People don't do their jobs in corporate all the all the time. So this is just another incident. But it's just that he's uh, at the forefront. But yeah. And con- by the way, also congr- just to say it again, congra- congratulations to <laughs> to uh, the boys over at Old Trafford. Uh, I don't know if Ronaldo celebrated, but uh, they won a trophy. I don't know if Ronaldo actually gets a medal or what happens there. But anyway, listener, enjoy your week. Enjoy the weekend whenever you're listening. Uh, Hopefully you tell the next person to listen to the Forest Brothers podcast. And yeah, thank you. Danko, Danko, you know, as you're speaking, I probably shouldn't even bring this up because we don't want to drag this part too long. But do you guys realize that Messi also won FIFA Best Men's Award? I don't even think we talked about that. Is that that even anything to talk about? Yeah, I mean, if if anything, <laughs> no, he won FIFA best FIFA men's best award after winning the FIFA World Cup. So you know, it was it was, was going to happen. So okay, yeah. So it was, it was obvious, essentially. Yeah, I mean, I I I doubt anybody watched that thing. Like, I don't even know what channel it was on. Like, you know, like because I mean, I think the listeners should understand. Like, FIFA is a very skilled you know political tool you know like these guys know how to market their brand so they're gonna validate their competition the highest and they're gonna make us all believe that what happened in those 30 days was the pinnacle of football so everyone that performed well there is the best so that's 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 all you saw that's all Mm. you saw yeah well there you have it. So I don't know if we should even say congratulations to Messi. Uh, I know Benzema wasn't saying anything about congratulations. I know he's very salty about it, as it should, because, you know, he did have a good... Um, well, he didn't play in the World Cup, so maybe that's why he didn't win. But if anything, I thought they'd give it to Mbappe. So, uh, you know, it's, it is it is what it is. Um, but anyways, that's a, that's a story for another day. But uh, thank you very much, listener. <laughs> Just wanted to throw that out there. And... Um, I hope Ronaldo collects his medal because he did contribute at some point. You know, he left. He should actually win a trophy for leaving Man United because it is a reason <laughs> that they're doing so well. <laughs> anyway, listener, um, enough about that. Thank you so much. And we'll catch you on the next one. <laughs> Peace out.